thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, which is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for this third week of Advent in which we celebrate the joy of your coming to this world to bring the gospel. Peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Now, Holy Spirit, speak to us. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our heart be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling. And as the Apostle Paul says, and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in each and every one of us who are your saints. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. And we're so grateful that your coming has given us victory. And so bless each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ah, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Just a few announcements that is uh, on January 29th, no, January 9th to the 29th. January 9th to the 29th. January what? 9th. To the 29th. Okay, we will be in consecration, prayer and fasting, 21 days before the Lord as we begin this new year. I'm really excited because this is the first year that four churches are getting together uh, to pray and fast for God to move in our lives and God to move in our churches and our cities. We'll be joining with Bishop Larry Ward of the Abundant Light Church and uh, Pastor Clayton Ward of the Christian Mission Holiness Church and uh, Pastor Lorraine Thornhill of the Kingdom Empowerment Center. We're all coming together and just you know, really pressing into God and then we're going to end the consecration with uh, the prophet, Pastor uh, John Chandler Cleveland, will be in Cambridge that weekend. Also, uh, on Christmas Day, we will be here on Christmas Day, one service at 9 a.m., and so we want, hopefully, you can join us. And then on New Year's Eve, we will be here uh, at 10.30 p.m., I've always want I always want to end my last moments of the year in God's house and begin my new moments and of the new year in God's house so I'm really excited about this particular uh, Christmas Eve because not Christmas Eve New Year's Eve because we're going to be joining uh, or should I say joining us is uh, the Ethiopian congregation the Emmanuel Discipleship Church uh, they worship at 77 Columbus Street. And we're going to be joined together. And then at midnight, we're going to have communion together. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, and on New Year's Day, uh, there'll be service, but there'll be virtual service. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. That means I can stop my first Sunday service in my pajamas. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So church will be virtually. Yeah, for all of you who will be out. So come out New Year's Eve. You can get your praise on and then uh, have pancakes while you're watching service. Yeah. Uh, so Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 20. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel had appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. The shepherds were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I, will, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him with this, by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, or peace on earth, goodwill to men. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about through his angel. Verse 16, they hurried to the village of Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, just as the angel said. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child, Jesus, the Christ child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They were shocked. They were stunned. The shepherds went back to their flocks. They went back to their jobs, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. I want to speak to you on the subject, the forgotten ones, the forgotten ones. And, and I hope that by the end of this sermon, you will know that wherever you are in life, God sees you. God sees you. Okay. Businesses, as you know, they really count heavily on this season of the year. That's why we have Black Friday, uh, named after us black people. And we know that Black Friday is a moment where they really want to stop these sales because most of the businesses, depending on what happens on that week or that period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that can determine whether the business will succeed or the business will fail. And so uh, it, it's, it's very important that they make sure that, that they get all of the revenue that they can. Sometimes literally one-third to 25% of their income comes in during that period, and they want to make sure that there's a, a gain. Companies usually around this time of the year, they take inventory with regards to oh, you know, how are things going throughout the whole year? And many times, uh, we as individuals, we take inventory over our lives as we look at January, and many of us, like next January, we're going to have our New Year's resolution about how we're going to eat right and how we're going to exercise, and usually that lasts about two weeks, but it makes us feel good to say that these are things we're going to do. Uh, at the end of the year, we take we take inventory of our lives and to see, well, well, how are things going? Did I accomplish my goals? Have I, have I gained or have I lost? And some of us, we can look at this year and maybe sadly say, I can hardly wait till 2022 is over. Good because for some of us, 2022 has been a forgetful year at best, or at worst, it is a year in which we feel like God has simply forgotten me. The Christmas story is, is, is a powerful story because when you read Luke chapter 1, well, Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, and Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, the gospel of Luke in the Bible, you will find that the birth of Jesus Christ is littered with characters who have been forgotten. Jason last week speak, spoke of Zechariah, whose name means the Lord has remembered me. We have his wife, Elizabeth, whose name means God keeps his promises to me. And yet, they go for decades waiting for a child that God, they thought, promised. And 
now they're in their old age, they're senior citizens, well beyond the time that Elizabeth should even be thinking about having a child, and they simply feel forgotten. You have Joseph, Mary's husband. I don't know if there's any person that's more forgotten than Joseph. Think of it, folks. When you read Matthew chapter 1, there's all these stories, you know, this person begat that person, this person begat that person. And most of you, how many of you know about that, Matthew chapter 1? And how many of you usually just skip it? You're like, let's get to the good part when he's talking to Gabriel. But what's interesting and important is that Joseph, in his lineage, is King David the greatest king Israel ever had. And then following that, in his lineage, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is in his lineage, in his heritage. And then he has a governor by the name of Zerubbabel. So you, you're born with this name, Joseph, which means God will add to me and yet, when you look at your lineage, you go from kings to governors to a, now a carpenter. And if I'm Joseph, I'm like, my name means God will add to me. Now, I may not have gone to the University of Jerusalem, but that sounds like subtraction. I am forgotten. And then you have this woman, Anna, whose name means grace or God's favors on your life. Well, if God's favors on my life, then why, after seven years of marriage, my husband died? And then, God, you tell me not to remarry, but you tell me to go into the temple or the church and spend six decades of my life praying that the Messiah will come. You read the Bible between Malachi and Matthew, although it's a flip of the page in your Bible, that's 400 years. And we rejoice, oh, John the Baptist is born through Zechariah and Elizabeth. Ooh, six months later, Jesus is born through Mary and Joseph. That does not happen by accident. Somebody was praying six decades to make sure that happened. When you read history, the great revivalists, I think I, I, I get the mix up, but it's either, it's either D.L. Uh, Moody or Charles Finney, great revivalists, they, where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people came to Jesus Christ and, and that their, their ministry was powerful and, and incredible, but nobody knows about uh, the man who traveled with one of the two, and what he would do is two weeks before Charles Finney or D.L. Moody would go to preach to a, a, a town or a city, this man would go rent a room and for two weeks cry out to God for people to come to Jesus Christ. And and the point is, is that those ministries that change lives, and many of you know about uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, that doesn't happen with somebody without somebody praying. It is said that Charles Spurgeon, who had what we would call one of the first mega churches in London, people were asking him, you know, how, 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 how is it that you are bringing thousands to Jesus Christ and thousands into this church? We, we've never seen this many people in, in the church before. And, and Charles Spurgeon, though he was called literally the prince of preachers, amazing oracle, or, orator, yet he knew that the secret to people coming to Christ was not how good he spoke. So what's your secret? He said, come here with me. And they followed him down into the boil room. And there were 600 people in the 1800s down there 
crying out to God that people will get saved. Some of you, the success you have, the doors that have opened into you, the schools that you've gotten into, the, 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 the money you're getting paid on your job, which is more money than all your ancestors behind you combined, didn't happen just because you were smart, didn't happen because you had just added all together, it happened because somebody somewhere was praying for you. And heaven is going to reveal that the people who were forgotten, the names that nobody knew about, God is going to say, all the success you had is because of that person. Because the scriptural principle is this, God who sees in secret will reward openly. I want to pause right now. If you had a brother or a sister or a mom or a grandmother or a granddad or someone in your ancestry praying for you and you realize that all that you have right now is because of a sacrifice by a Sunday school teacher or somebody who prayed for you, could you just spend three, five seconds just praising God right now for those individuals? Thank you, Lord. Somebody was praying for me. I, sh I shouldn't even be alive. We, we give the credit to luck, but God's hand was on our lives. Some of you, you, you wouldn't even be in Boston. What am I doing in Boston? But God brought you here because his hand is strategically on your life. This is the third week of Advent, and it symbolized what's known as the shepherd's candle. This candle represents joy that comes through Jesus' arrival and through the salvation of Jesus' gift to us. And yet, as I mentioned about uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, Anna and Simeon and even Joseph, there is no group of people in the scriptures other than maybe no, not maybe, other than lepers who are more of a forgotten group of people than shepherds. Now, unfortunately, in our 19th or 21st century uh, um, mindset, we look at shepherds as a respected and honorable profession. I mean, after all, Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. The, the most popular uh, chapter in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So we have these nostalgic viewpoints of shepherd, and yet what you may not realize that the profession of shepherd was one of the most disrespected, one of the most disrespected careers and jobs in the Eastern culture. These, these shepherds, sadly, were despised by those who were orthodox in their, um, their carrying out of their religion in the Jewish culture. See, in the Jewish culture back in those days, there were things that you had to do to make yourself ceremoniously clean so that you could worship. Are you following so far? There, there were rules such as, uh, you know, if, if, you were, if you were contaminated by blood, you would literally have to go a week of cleansing before you could go back into the presence of God. We make a big deal, and rightfully so, about Jesus turning the water into wine. But folks, do you know why the water was there in the first place? <laughs> the water was there so that as people were about to partake of their meals in the uh, wedding reception, they had to purify themselves with the water and purify the utensils. So imagine you are a shepherd and your job is to take care of sheep. 
just when you're about to have the opportunity to go into the outer court of the temple to worship, all of a sudden the sheep does what sheep do. Sheep does what sheep do. There is sheep manure, and it's, this isn't like Cambridge and Boston where you kind of have to have your little pooper scooper. <laughs> but what happens is that maybe some of it gets on the sheep and the shepherd has to clean it, and as, as soon as he touches that manure, he is considered unclean. Or the sheep are traveling, and all of a sudden, maybe they brush up against some thorns, and blood starts to come from the sheep's leg or the sheep's arm or, or any part of the sheep. And the shepherd, being the good shepherd, has to take care of that wound. Well, because the shepherd has come in contact with blood, he's not allowed now to come into the presence of God. Or the sheep, insects are buzzing around the sheep and the shepherd has to take oil to wipe it over the sheep's nose and body to make sure that it doesn't get infected. But see, because the shepherd has come in contact with those flies and those bugs, he is now unclean. And so the Orthodox Jews would look at that shepherd and say, almost disparagingly, like, you, you, you have a profession that does not allow you to come into the house of the Lord. <laughs> Yet the ironic thing is, is that some theologians believe that the shepherds that were taking care of those sheep, those were the same sheep that were to be offered as a sacrifice to God in the temple as part of their worship. So could you imagine you're taking care of worship that you cannot take part in? I'm talking about the forgotten ones. The forgotten ones. I'm grateful for a person in our midst who did not forget about those who are forgotten. For over 47 years, Mr. Louis A. Dubisquale has played a vital role in serving and shaping the city of Cambridge. Mr. Dubisquale, or, or who I affectionately call Louis because he's known me since I was 16, became city manager in 2016 and retired of June 30th this year. During his tenure as city manager, Mr. DePasquale has fostered a customer-focused environment, prioritizing bold initiatives focused on affordable housing and economic development and education, and strengthening Cambridge's commitment to our diverse population and being ever mindful of Cambridge's forgotten ones. And of course, that can only happen when you are raised in Cambridge. Was, Louis was raised in East Cambridge. Now, there's so many people from different parts of the country and world, you don't even know what East Cambridge is. East Cambridge is down near Galleria Mall, uh, Leachmere Station, the Green Line, uh, walking distance to the Museum of Science. I'm not sure how more descriptive I can get but he was raised in that neighborhood, and so he knows Cambridge. As a tremendous leader and someone who truly loves Cambridge, Mr. DePasquale has worked closely with the Commissioner of Public Health and the Chief Public Health Officer, and what you may not realize, that our own Deborah Dunze has been named as the first ever Deputy Health Chief uh, Health Officer of the City of Cambridge. Praise the Lord. And regional and, and state partners 
especially since 2020, when our city became one of the leaders in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic response. Mr. DePasquale always ensured that any decision made as a city was made with the residents of Cambridge in mind. He leads to a, he leads to a lens of racial equity and, and racial equality and the belief that government should serve as many people as possible, particularly those who are unable to advocate for themselves. Louis' favorite response, Louis' most well-known response is whatever was best and would help our residents. That was a priority. See, the good thing about Louis is that he remember when Cambridge didn't have apartments that were four or $5,000 a month. He remembered a Cambridge that didn't have Google and Microsoft and Moderna and all these wonderful companies that have made it almost impossible to live in Cambridge. Mr. Louis DePasquale was one of the Cambridge Police Department's biggest advocates. God used him in hiring the first female police commissioner in the history of Cambridge. And in case you're wondering who that is, that's Christine Elo. Could you please stand, Christine? Commissioner Elo. Come on. You see, you need to understand this, uh, and that is, in the history of Cambridge, they never have hired anybody from the Cambridge Police Department. They always hired somebody from Miami or Chicago or Philadelphia, but never in Cambridge. And I believe Louis said, you know what? We need somebody who understands Cambridge, who, who doesn't love a job, who loves the city. Amen. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, Louis was also ensuring that Cambridge would be one of the most progressive police departments, not only locally, but nationally. As an example of this, under his leadership, Cambridge Police Department was one of the first departments in the country. Let me repeat that again. One of the first apartment, not departments in the country to be trained on de-escalation skills and techniques. And this is why the Cambridge Police Department's de Escalation Award was named after Louis A. D. Pasquale. He remembers the forgotten one. And as a side note, some of you know Brother Jason Fuent, uh, Fuera, who leads our um, children's ministry interim as an interim. Uh, Jason got his job working at a school in Cambridge, the, uh, the, uh, the Graham Park School. And talking about God having a sense of humor, uh, Jason ended up uh, filling the job that was filled by Louis's wife, Cheryl. She retired with her husband, and Jason got the job working in her place. Isn't that God? So... Ladies and gentlemen, could you please rise, PT family, as we present the Pentecostal Tabernacle 2022 Community Service Award to Mr. Louis A. DePasquale.
Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I know a lot of people use phones now when they're going to say a few words, but I'm too old for that, so I go still with the... Oh, and there's a lot of paper, but that's because I don't read... I need big writing, so don't worry, I won't be long. But first, I just want to say it's great to be here, and I want to give a special shout-out to my friend Bishop Green because I did meet Brian when he was in high school. Brian went to Matinon High, and I graduated Matinon High in 1971. And Brian became an intern in the city of Cambridge. And early on, I knew, wow, this would be a great catch if we could keep Brian in municipal government. So we went out to lunch one day and said, Brian, what are you thinking about in the future? Not that I was really thinking about much in the future back then either, but I figured I'd ask right, kind of the right thing to do, you know what I'm saying? And Brian said, you know what I'd like to do? Someday I'd like to have my own church and be a pastor in Cambridge. And I remembered that, and I'm thinking, boy, I haven't heard many high school students ever say that response to him. But I want to say right here and now, thank God that Brian has followed his calling, because when it comes to helping people in Cambridge, there's a community person leader who is second to none. He has been a friend of mine. He's been a voice of wisdom. When I needed help to say, what can we do better to help the people at Cambridge? One of the first calls I always make was Bishop Green, who I call Brian, and Brian would say, I'm there. And he is truly someone who understands that everybody needs help, and it's our job to give it to him. So, Brian, thank you for all your support and leadership in this city and in this community. So, Brian said a lot of words. He kind of stole most of my speech about what I did, so I'm going to be quick and just say that, you know, I did retire after 47 years, but... The one thing I learned about government is Cambridge can do a lot. And, and we're really proud of all we do. But nobody can do it alone. And I want to tell you something. The one thing I learned early on is how much the faith community plays in making Cambridge the special place it is. And that's about all of us here, and especially about individuals like Bishop Green who really get involved in the community to help people. That's the number one goal, to help people. And that's really what we try to do in Cambridge, and that's what I try to do. And when you get nonprofits like we have, when you have Harvard and MIT who you know, often say, well, they're the big institutions. But let me tell you, when COVID happens and things happen and you need something and you call them, they say when and how quick do you need it. And that's what makes Cambridge the special place because we have a team effort. And being a lifelong Cambridge resident, as Brian said, someone who grew up in East Cambridge, to someday be able to work for the city my whole career and become city manager is just the greatest honor I could ever have. But I will tell you a quick story, because Brian said there's someone watching out for you. Well, I had someone watching out for me who was here. I don't know if people remember this, but I worked at Leachmere Sales when I was in high school and in college. All right, and it was a great place to work, and it was in East Cambridge, so I didn't have to go far. And then I got a job with the city, and I was just graduating college, and I, I knew nobody. I knew no one in City Hall. I had spent nine years at Leachmere Seals, and it was an uncomfortable position to be in. And got my first check, and I realized, gee, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I decided, why am I here and not back at Leachmere Seals? So I went home, and my parents were really proud I was with the city, and I told them, you know, I have to tell you something. I really think the time has come for me after two weeks to leave the city and go back to Leachmere Seals. And as fortunately as a young kid, when your parents said, are you out of your mind? You said, okay, I'm sorry I brought that up. And my father quickly said to me, are you out of your mind? You're not leaving the city of Cambridge. He said, because someday you're gonna retire from the city of Cambridge and you're gonna help help a lot of people. And I'm thinking retirement. I, I'm worried about what's going to happen next week. But I always remember that him telling that to me. And especially when you do retire, you think of things like that. Because this could have never happened. Because I was gone, trust me. If my father didn't put his arm on my shoulder and say no. And it was the greatest decision I ever had. But also, as Brian said, to me, government's about helping people. If you can't help people, forget all the fancy things we do. That don't count. And I was very lucky when I started with the city in 1975. I had a friend and a mentor who some people may know, especially if you're in the 70s, like I'm getting close to. And that was former Mayor Al Volucci in city council, a longtime Cambridge 
family who came to me and said early on the job, in the job you are, have right now, and I was a financial manager, you're not going to help a lot of people directly. But remember one thing. When people come to City Hall, they're coming because they need help. And the first impression you give them will something that will mean something for them forever. So when they come in, you think that's a member of your family walking into this building for help. And if you always treat them like that, you'll be in a good place in this city. And I remembered those words, and it's really been the words I've tried to live by. Treat people the way you'd want your family members to be treated. But also remember, and this was hard for me to understand as a kid growing up in East Cambridge, there are some people who still don't trust City Hall, who may not be comfortable going into City Hall, who may not want to walk into a building where they don't recognize anybody who looks and knows about them. And how do you go about changing that? And I think we did a good job making City Hall a welcoming place for everybody, because that's what government has to do. And it starts by making sure your workforce represents that and people understanding that if they come to ask you for help, you're going to give it to them. And because then they will tell their families and friends, gee, that's a good place to go to. And that was our message, to make City Hall a good place to go to. But one of the things we also did is, still with all of that, there are some people who just aren't coming to City Hall. So we, for the first time, said, you know what? We're bringing City Hall to them. And we created nights in the port where we brought all city departments and we did an event at the port. We did front events at Fresh Pond Apartments because we wanted people to recognize and feel who is with them. And it's something I'm very proud of. And the other thing that's important to me as a kid who grew up in East Cambridge and worked for the city is Cambridge people need Cambridge jobs. And they've got to understand that not only are we here to help them, but we're here to give them jobs because we want them to stay in the community because they know the community. One of the things I'm very proud of was to bring back, and Commissioner Elo has been a key factor in this, is the police cadet program. A cadet program where we can get Cambridge kids, mostly in the black and brown community, to become police officers again so people their age can recognize that is a good profession in Cambridge. That is a place to be, and that's a place I want to work. And I really want to thank Commissioner Elo and her leadership for that. So, Again, I would just say, you know, to me, finance has been a key role, and Bishop Green mentioned COVID. COVID was a devastating thing. When you talk about what you expect in a city when you have money, you didn't expect to spend money on COVID. But we had great advisors in the city. We were the first city to recognize the importance of protecting our unhoused community. And we created a homeless shelter at the Wall Memorial before the state even was talking about it. And it's something I'm very proud of, and it was a real team effort. We then created a transition house at, at, at the Spalding Center to allow for our on-hose. And we also, before I left, had given out 275,000 free COVID tests in the city of Cambridge. And I think that is something we're all very proud of. But I will also say this. The one thing we were learning from COVID is that the, the community who was not getting COVID uh, tests were the black and brown community. And again, how did we make that happen? So we had to work with that community and make sure we had a site right in the community. And Pastor Washington of St. Paul's opened up his church to say in his hall, please come here. And it was, a, it was real important. It's on numbers for the black and brown community when it came to COVID tests and vaccines beat the state in every category. But it was in recognizing the importance of that. And I also just want to give a plug to the incredible overall workforce that the city has. I've always said that the people you serve can recognize when you're faking it and when you're not faking it. And if you're just doing your job, that's not enough. Because you're not, you're not giving them that welcome feeling. But when you do your job, not because it's your job, because it's a passion that you want to help people, that's the impression we want to give in Cambridge. And I can tell you, if you go to a human service program or other city departments, that's the impression you'll come out of is that, wow, they understand and they really want to help because they understand the importance of just really great customer service. So again, there is, Cambridge is a unique community and I always say that there is no better place to live or go to school than the city of Cambridge. But I'm going to add something now and it's going to put it on my spoochies, although I don't think I'll be making many more now that I've retired. But there's no better place to live, go to school, 
or be somewhere on a Sunday morning at 11.30 than right here, because this is something I will never forget. I can't, I'm not surprised, but thank, I want to thank all of you for this special recognition. It means so much to me and to be here today and see what Cambridge is all about. And I'm not surprised to see what it's all about when you have someone like Bishop Green leading it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wow. And so the, the question is, is what should I do during times when I feel forgotten? Three things. Uh, Brother Danny, who spoke here two weeks ago, said it so wonderfully. Be grateful. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. No matter how bad things are, there is something that you can be grateful for. There's something that you can be grateful for. Secondly, be gracious. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. When you're going through bad situations, don't allow the situation to make you bitter. Be gracious. The word gracious means be pleasant, be kind, be benevolent, be approachable, be friendly, be God-natured, be good-natured, be God-natured, be hospitable. Many of us know, we've heard it in the news, how... Uh, Brittany Greer had been released from, yes, from imprisonment. But what struck me about her release was the gracious statement that was put out by, I guess his name is uh, Weiner, the, the other prisoner, Paul Whalen, yeah, who he, he's been in prison for four years. And they could have been bitter, they could have been angry, but they put out such a gracious statement that even the people who wanted to get mad could not get mad. Because the point is, is that you don't want to live your life as a thermometer, that you are always reacting towards your circumstances. Be a thermostat. Be the person that when you walk into the room, the temperature changes for the God. And then finally, not only be grateful, and you have 20 more, more days to do that, uh, 20 more days to do that. Not only are you to be gracious, but be giving. Give your time, your talent, your treasure. One of the things I love about the scriptures is that Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's also going to reap. And we focus on the you're going to reap what you sow. You do bad things for people. But God basically says that when you do good for people, I am not going to be mocked. I am going to make sure that you're taken care of. And you see these shepherds who were despised, who were looked down upon. The news of Jesus Christ did not come to the religious leaders. The news of Jesus Christ did not come to the aristocrats, the Sanhedrins, and news of Jesus Christ did not come first to, from the angels to, to uh, King Herod. It came to these lowly, forgotten people. And I wonder what God 
is cooking up to remind you that you're not forgotten. I wonder what God is planning. I wonder what Jehovah Sneaky is working on behind the scenes. It may take a year, it may take 10 years, it may take 20 years, but when he brings it out, all you can do is say, praise God. I thought you forgot me. But man, if I knew it was going to be this good, I wouldn't have complained during the years that I was forgotten. This year, this is my last point, and then we'll pray. This year, we are making sure as a church that people are not forgotten. As you know, uh, we are raising $400,000 to make our church accessible to those who cannot access the sanctuary. Repeat after me. It's a good repeat. Everybody should be able to have access to God's house. We don't do this because of an ADA requirement. We do this because everybody should have access to God's house. And so that's what we're, we're given to. No, I'm not taking an offering. But this month, we're raising $400,000 to put in an elevator and some other things to make sure that people can get in this room. And get in this room. In this season, I don't think there's any more for people who are forgotten than police officers and teachers and teachers. This year we'll be given 250 gift cards to the, to the Cambridge police officers. We had a um, an open, a, a sort of luncheon reception, me and the chaplains, and I was honored to bring Tommy with me. And Tommy, yes, Tommy was playing. And it was just, just set a wonderful atmosphere. We're going to be giving gift cards to every staff member of the Amigo School. We're going to be giving gift cards to every staff member and teacher at the Cambridge, uh, the Maynard Fletcher High School. I'm um, a high school. Maynard Fletcher Academy Grammar School. And we're giving over 450 gift cards to every staff person at the Cambridge Winsor-Hatton High School. That's what your giving does. And, and, and you may say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is that when we did this last year, I was getting thank you cards from the teachers at Cambridge Original Latin. We gave those cards out for Christmas. I was getting up through Easter, I was still getting thank you cards from teachers saying, you remember us. We're going to be a church that make sure the forgotten ones are seen. Let's all stand. If we could bow our heads as I'm going to get ready to pray. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, ask Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel nobody cares. Think about it this way. God sent an entire sermon just because he had you in mind. And whether you're online or whether, lady, you listen to this on YouTube or whether you're in this room or in the lower auditorium, God is saying, I see you and you're not a forgotten one. 
as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're saying, okay, God, seeing that you haven't forgotten me, I'm over here. I want to give my life to you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, you're saying, Bishop Brian, can you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Um, could you slip up your hand? I'll be the only one who sees that hand to make sure that you get the opportunity to give your life to Christ. Just want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Praise the Lord. And at this time, I'm going to ask you if you would just, those of you who are new here, I'm going to ask you to put out your hands. We don't give a closing prayer. We give a closing blessing. And I want to give you a blessing based on the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May you look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, and beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord give you his, show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. Finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you. Oh. Uh -huh.